0: and responsible gaming resources
1: you're listening to the chris and joe show presented to you by sb nation and big blue view i'm joe de joined by chris Fum. as always giving you the instant reaction to the recent giants games and this is the final last quick take show of the 2019 season our inaugural year of doing the chris and joe show and sadly it does not end on a high note because the giants lost 34 to 17 against the philadelphia eagles they finished with a 4 and 12 record in 2019 very underwhelming considering the expectations of some and especially us at the beginning of the season saying there was a chance they could win six to seven games and That did not happen because of a number of losses in a lot of close games, but staying on the topic of today in this very specific game, they simply lost this game because the Eagles, or a little bit more than simply, but the Eagles very clearly wanted this win more and for obvious reasons, they needed the victory to earn a spot in the playoffs and they showed a tremendous amount of heart and fight to secure that, which they showed in the previous week against the Dallas Cowboys replicating replicating it again today
2: this is obviously a giants podcast we have giants fans listening we are giants fans but of the other nfc east teams i have to say my least hated is the eagles i at least respect their franchise and before we get on to kind of dissecting this loss i have to give props to the eagles because it was mentioned during the broadcast that they have 178 games worth of players injured. At one point during the game, there was a waiting line for the blue medical tent. That is frankly ridiculous for them to fight through that, get themselves into a position where they were able to control their destiny and keep fighting, keep playing, keep winning, despite the fact that they had basically starters at every position out. They, I'm not even sure Carson Wentz knew the first names of the guys he was throwing the football to, and they still look like the better team on the field. Kudos to the Eagles, kudos for Doug Peterson, and honestly, that's also kind of an indictment of the Giants.
1: Credit to Doug Peterson over the past few seasons being able to rally a team no matter what level of adversity they're really going through, and I even said it in the staff picks, If you happen to read that, I I said going into this game that the Eagles, no matter how, how nice it would be for the Giants to spoil their spot and shot of making the playoffs, the Eagles were going to come out far more motivated just because they have Doug Peterson leading them and they showed that fight in the previous week against the Cowboys. So they earned that spot and winning the NFC East, they're going to go on and probably shock Whoever they end up playing in the first round, I don't know it off the top of my head, but they will probably shock whoever they're playing. There's a chance of that happening. This is an underrated football team that even though they have a lack of talent at a number of different positions, are capable of playing at a high level. And I would attribute that mostly to their coach. But we're going to take a look at this game specifically and what we noticed are quick reactions. That was our very first reaction because that came to both of our minds. But the first positive reaction and the only positive reaction we have from this game is rookie tight end, undrafted tight end, Caden Smith, looked really good again. He had another stellar performance, eight receptions for 92 yards. He was a legitimate threat and option for Daniel Jones in this game, creating a lot of opportunities and able to pick up a bunch of chunk plays. He did have a ball that was fumbled that he recovered, but still looking really good for an undrafted guy. And I think he is a piece that can be built around, or not built around, but having him in the lineup can be built around and using him as the second tight end.
2: Yeah, definitely. Caden Smith was really the bright spot for the Giants today. And he has kind of been the bright spot for them over the last four or five weeks. He got his opportunity and he has really run with it. I think he has just spinning ahead slightly, really made Rhett Ellison expendable. And I think he and Evan Ingram are a really nice one-two punch at tight end going forward, especially assuming the Giants will be able to figure out how to use Evan Ingram and send him down the field and use him properly. But really, kudos to Caden Smith. He had a really nice game. He He has had a really nice end to his rookie season
1: depending on whoever is the general manager after whatever moves are made I really do hope Caden Smith is kept around and there's an intent to keep him around you know as I was saying he's a a good building piece in this young lineup if you add him in there he's not going to do anything crazy because he's not your number one tight end but Evan Ingram always has injury problems so if you can plug him in and he can go out there and block well and also catch passes very very well and be a red zone threat that's good to have that depth and also to have a player at such a cheap price being an undrafted player so it needs to be focused on trying to keep him around and continue to develop him into a potentially talented second tight end now we're going to move on to the negatives but before we do that we're going to take a very short commercial break
3: support for this show comes from sylvan learning and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's
1: S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So as always, whenever we have a loss, we have significantly more negatives than we do positives, and these negatives really, really stand out, and they all were a leading force in the loss in today's game And and the first one that needs to be addressed here is something that we talked about every single game. They had a poor offensive performance and inability to stay consistent. And that is just disparity in play calling. And, And what I mean by that is that they were throwing the ball way too much in comparison to the amount of carries that they were giving to Saquon Barkley. And I was say, I said this I say this in every preview show that Saquon has been healthy is get him touches, relieve the pressure off of Daniel Jones. At halftime, Daniel Jones had thrown 21 care, uh 21 passing attempts and Saquon Barkley had five rushing attempts. That first half is very key for establishing consistency and creating momentum with with the offense. They only had three points, and it was very clear because he only completed 11 passes on 21 attempts. It's way too many passing attempts in one half. He should never be throwing over 20 passing attempts in a half for a young quarterback. Saquon Barkley, we saw him able to break free on a 68-yard touchdown once he was finally given an opportunity to pick up a big gain. And when you have a home run hitting running back like that, Maybe he doesn't pick up big gains early on in the game, Game, but eventually you give him that carry, he's going to score a touchdown. You just have to keep feeding him and wait until that happens.
2: During the broadcast again, and listen, I believe it was in the fourth quarter, they showed his Barkley's carry total, and it really did look like an old Barry Sanders game. You know, Three yards, two yards, negative one yards, six, six yards, four yards, negative one yards, zero yards, zero yards, negative one yards, 68 yards. And that is the sort of thing that happens when you give volume to Barkley. He will have a lot of carries where he is just trying to do too much or the defense is able to swarm to him and get him for not much. But then all he needs is a sliver of daylight. And I have to give credit to Will Hernandez for his block on that run. He was blocking some poor linebacker about 20 yards downfield. That was just brilliant. I know somewhere Duke Maniwether, who is a friend of Big Blue View. He coaches offensive linemen. He knows the OL better than anyone I know. Somewhere he was celebrating watching that. He, he He probably didn't care about Barkley's run, but he was celebrating that block. And that's the sort of thing that will happen eventually. And I am always in favor of getting more touches to your best players. And even if the Giants wanted to throw which given the state of the Eagles secondary and how good their defensive line is, I can at least understand that from a conceptual game planning perspective. But if you're going to throw, throw to Saquon Barkley. Get him his touches. Get him in space. Get him him that daylight, and then let him do what he does best. Let him run the ball more, but also let him get those touches just however you can manufacture
1: them. Just to put things into perspective here, Saquon and the whole rushing attack only had 21 carries. Saquon had 17 carries himself compared to 47 passing attempts. Just need to put a quick stat correction out there. I uh, ESPN updated their stats. It was 8 receptions for 98 yards for Caden Smith, which is all the more impressive. But the, the one thing that really stands out to me, though, is what I was talking about, how the fact that before he broke out, he was not really picking up a lot of yards. He had 11 carries for 10 yards. And and Saquon Barkley is the type of player that you need to get him more volume in touches until he breaks out for a big run like that. But in general, though, I just did not understand some of the play calling because they were throwing it on early downs and getting incompletions, which was leading to second and long. And being in second and long or third and long makes things very hard on a, a young quarterback and an offense that is having trouble against a good defensive line. So it was putting them in a bad situation. And the big thing that angered me this whole season is that every single time it was second and five or shorter, they ran the damn ball. I could call out if they were going to run the ball up the middle to Saquon. And if you could have guessed in this game, he was tackled for a loss on those plays. Finally, when they stopped doing that and they started running to the outside, they ran a counter for a 68-yard touchdown. Things like that are going to work, but when you keep running it up the middle and the opposing team knows it's going to come, if I can tell it's going to come from sitting on my couch, then you're clearly doing something wrong. So we don't even know if Pat Shermer is going to be back, but just that something as simple as that is a clear indication that play calling is a severe issue. The Giants have a tendency, and they have had a tendency for a long time, of
2: just falling into these predictable traps where – if us at home know what their tendencies are going to be, you know opposing defenses know what their tendencies are going to be, and that's why on those second and short runs, Barkley was getting met behind the line of scrimmage. The defense knew they were coming. There's one other thing that I I'd like to mention just before we move on a little bit, and it's also with the play calling, and that was passes to receivers in traffic. Yes, the Giants receivers are not great at creating separation, but the Eagles defensive backs are not great at comf- are not great at covering. And you can scheme open players. You know, the Eagles were keeping eight men in the box for most of the game. They were either playing cover 1 or cover 3, so they were able to stack the box and really try to force Daniel Jones to beat them. He threw into coverage on basically 32% of his throws. Even with all of the injuries the Eagles sustained, Carson Wentz only threw into coverage on 20% of his throws. And as I said before, I'm not even sure he knew the names of the guys he was throwing to. He was throwing to guys who were activated off the practice squad this week, and he was still finding more open ground to throw into receivers. While some of that is on the players the Giants were throwing to, it was also on on the play calling and the coaching and the scheming and the play design. So I just wanted to get that out there too.
1: The second negative we have is the same thing that happened in the last game and the thing that we spoke upon in the preview show is that the Giants need to be prepared for Boston Scott. So Miles Sanders goes down with an injury and immediately all hell breaks loose because the Giants defense does not have the speed to tackle someone that is smaller and a lot shiftier and better with a lot of free space around him than anyone Uh, that that can really make a play on him. So he gashed them for multiple touchdowns, had a big day, and had a lot of big chunk plays, uh, specifically on a screen play, which was just good decision-making by Doug Peterson in the offense because he knew that James Betcher would be over-aggressive in third and 13 of all situations and decided to throw a screen opposite of where the pressure was coming from. It was easily read, and that opened up a huge amount of space for the shifty Boston Scott to pick up a first down and almost a touchdown. That really
2: was a great catch by Scott as well, but he has become the Eagles' new giant killer. He really does remind me of Darren Sproles, and I didn't want to hang that on him before the game, but after the last two times the Giants have played Philly, they found their new, new Darren Sproles. Yeah, he might only be 5'6", and yeah, short guys represent, but... He is just incredibly dangerous, and the Giants do need to add some speed or a lot of speed to their defense to deal with him and all of the other fast players who they are going to have to deal with next year.
1: Final negative we have, and this is just a very overlapping negative, and it was a thought that I was thinking of when I was finishing up our our outline and our notes, and it, it just overlaps the whole situation this season but specifically this game, and it also leads into the next talking point we have. Overall, this team fell apart in the fourth quarter, which is coaching. It looked like players were not giving up, but it just seemed like they were like, oh, this game's over, let's just get out of here. It didn't seem like there was a ton of fight. It seems like there were a lot of issues. Pass protection disappeared in the fourth quarter, despite looking pretty good early on in the game for the first three quarters two turnovers occurred, and then defensively, like I stated, they were absolutely gashed by Wentz and Boston Scott for a number of first downs also to some of these no-name receivers. It just it seemed like Shermer could not rally the troops whatsoever as soon as this game started to fall apart for the Giants. Yeah, and
2: that's kind of something we have seen all season long. They would have quarters like the Giants had in the third quarter where – they will look like a good competitive football team, but unfortunately it is usually only one quarter. You know, they'll be kind of okay. Kind of sort of can't get, get out of their own way for two quarters. And then they would fall apart. And really this year as, as a whole, the giants have been a team where if something goes wrong, it is very likely to snowball. And you're right, a lot of that is coaching. Some of it is the players on the field, you know, guys who yeah, you know, might not be too sure, which again comes back to coaching, but guys who might be at something of an athletic disadvantage or they're trying hard but just aren't aren't more than role players. But really this year it, it has seemed like if one bad mistake happens, like the fumble, um uh, Daniel Jones' fumble on the on a poor snap from John Jalapio. Then another mistake will happen as the giants try to uh, try to overcome that mistake instead of just putting it behind and behind them and getting back to work. And then the mistakes just seem to snowball. The pass protection breaks down like you say. Uh, re- receivers will drop passes. and they really just w- have not been able to overcome that this year,
1: and that all comes down to the chemistry and the mentality and the identity of the team, which is created by and established by the coaching staff. And if you're giving up and allowing mistakes to snowball and continue to build up, that is just because of the coach's inability to create a healthy environment. Now, on to prefacing what we're going to discuss tomorrow. So tomorrow is... Black Monday, which is the day that is typically when most head coaches are fired. We already had a firing today with Freddie Kitchens being removed as the Browns head coach, but there is still a number of positions that could be open and moved on from, particularly the Giants being one of them. So tomorrow we're going to be giving you a breakdown episode depending on what happens with the Giants coaching situation. So stay tuned, we'll be providing reaction to Whatever happens, if they remove Pat Shermer or Dave Gettleman, we will be putting something out in reaction to that. And in addition to um, the review show, or we might do it in one episode. So stay tuned for whatever content we end up putting out. We will have both pieces of of content in some format, one or the other. So before that does come, though, that opens up the question of what we're going to be seeing tomorrow on Monday and is, is, will Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman survive? Will they make it through Monday? Will either of them be retained and brought back? What do you think, Chris? I seriously
2: doubt that Shermer is brought back, especially after the way this game went down. I do not know about Dave Gettleman. I don't know if he would be retained fired outright, or perhaps just stepping back and retiring, even if he might feel he still has work yet to do with the Giants, and perhaps he feels he does have the team going in the correct direction. You know, he's 69 years old. He's had a battle with cancer. He did say when he got hired, he wants to find a quarterback for the Giants and then retire to Cape Cod. Well, he, he they've got Daniel Jones, and Maybe he will take that off ramp. You know, that would be a way for everybody to save face and maybe let the Giants move in a new direction. Get a new head coach who might not have, who won't have to worry about, well, will my general manager be on the hot seat as the Giants take on the AFC North and NFC West next year? Maybe that would be the way to go. Yeah. You know, Otherwise, I am really not sure what happens.
1: I agree with you on the Pat Shermer firing. The fact that they're going to be going out on such a low note in the final game, it, it it is going to completely decide this thing here. I don't think that they're going to waste any time. They're probably going to fire. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear anything by the end of tonight or if something happens before this is published uh, because there's a very, very good chance that he is fired. But as we know, from the Giants' owners, from uh, Steve Tisch and John Mara, they, they try to go things about things the right way. They might wait until tomorrow to make that decision and get rid of him, but I don't see him making it at least past the end of the week. They're not going to keep him around. He has not done enough to develop and improve these players, especially doing a number of things when it comes to time management, uh, play calling, decision-making. A lot of things have factored factored into why he should not be brought back as the head coach that being said though with Dave Gettleman, I don't think that he has done enough to keep himself around but I I, I really don't think that the the owners for the Giants will be willing to completely scrap this thing and start over because if you remove your general manager, there's a chance for another rebuilding phase if you bring in someone and it's a little bit slow to get going. So I think that they're going to at least see what happens with Dave Gettleman and try to go from there. There's a chance that they could both be fired, which is why you should stay tuned and see what we end up talking about tomorrow. And if they do end up getting removed, we will be providing a reaction to whatever happens. All that being said, though, please... Make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow Chris and I at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. You can follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. Have a wonderful rest of your day.